welcome to another hyperbolic episode of Whoa. We Only Look Thin. I am Katherine Weigel. I am one of your sensational hosts. Yeah. I have lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for over five years. That's not hyperbole. My tiny habits certified coach. Yeah. I'm a Thrive Global certified coach. And with me today is... Donald Weigel. And I have lost about 100 pounds. And that is also not hyperbole. It isn't. But I am an amazing, wonderful host of this show. And that might be hyperbole. <laughs> I don't know. I think if they're listening, they already know that that is the truth. And hello if you're listening. Hello. Uh, we are here to uh, to talk about it. And uh, today we uh, we have a little bit of a different uh, sort of episode, I think. Yeah. Um, this episode came up because someone in Walt Place, We Only Look Thin Place, our accountability group. Yeah. Uh, their name is Catherine, actually. Catherine, but it wasn't me. It's but so it was confusing. someone named Catherine. It's I so know. confusing that there's more than one person with your name. Well, luckily, she lives on the East Coast and we live on the West Coast. So it's like I can figure that out. That makes but... it marginally easier for me to follow. Yeah. But uh, but but Catherine uh, posted. Wait, you? Is it you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so confusing. Yeah. So if we know anything about the Internet, it is a place of balanced opinions and thoughtful memes of all kinds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where everybody everybody Gets is, is very and thoughtful and kind and, and uh, makes well-reasoned, thought-out it, arguments exactly. all the time. Yeah. So Catherine had posted that in another group that she was in that someone uh, that she knew posted this meme with, I don't know, 10 or 15 different uh, sort of jabs at – diet culture yeah and uh she was very upset about it and posted uh, a copy of the meme in the group so that we could sort of talk about it because she wasn't sure how to respond to it because it was so inflammatory and so much like you know if you measure one calorie you know obviously you're an agent of satan and obviously obviously um and it really takes away any objective thinking, any critical thinking around managing your weight. And we feel like that is super dangerous to eliminate all of the nuances and middle ground of managing uh, your body. Yeah. And, and I think that it, it is like so many things. I think that the, the body positivity movement started out from a place of kindness and love and that the original intention of it was was to help people to accept the bodies that they're in and i am you know i we are absolutely 100% for that and and i think you know for me personally one of the breakthroughs in, in really doing this was the realization that I didn't have to strive for a perfect like underwear model body to just get healthier and get fitter. And it's okay to, to look like the 53-year-old man that I am, but also was not okay to have all of the health issues that I had as a result of being 100 pounds overweight. Right. So it seems to us from from what we've looked at that diet culture, like we, we all agree that 
extreme, terrible detox, whatever, we can all agree that that is bad. Yeah. So it seems to us that there is a big population that just lumps diet culture in with anything having to do with paying attention to what you're eating at what time. I saw um, something describe diet culture as it worships thinness and equates it to health and moral virtue. And like, yes, we agree that there are really awful exploitative businesses out there that are trying to, you know, sell snake oil that are really unhelpful. But then there are people like us in the middle who are kind of boring, not extreme, <laughs> like kind of introverts who spent years fighting that yo-yo dieting system and then realizing that there was a different way to do it. And when we say it's all bad, it takes away the agency that we need to have in our bodies and with our daily activities. And, and look, I would like to to say, you know, at the beginning of this, just to be clear that we firmly believe that all bodies are valuable and deserve respect. And that you don't need to look a certain way or hit a certain number on the scale to be happy or successful or accepted. And that you should approach your weight loss and fitness goal from a place of self-care and self-love. Because as Catherine has said many times on this show, no one ever got to their goal weight by hating themselves. Like, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. And and some people really do need professional help. And we were of the like the middle class who were able to navigate this on our own. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, if you think you have a, a serious problem, please head over to nationaleatingdisorders.org to find some professional assistance. But this podcast episode is meant for the middle ground people who might feel conflicted, like, well... I, you know, I'm doing Weight Watchers, but I see all these memes talking about how everything is disordered and tracking this is disordered. And they have maybe a conflict within themselves. And so they're not actually 100% invested in their health goals because they think, oh my gosh, is this bad? Like, should I not be doing this? Yeah. And, and look, I think that that for me, I think the danger is that there is a certain segment of the body positivity crowd who are zealots, and they think that any efforts towards weight loss are disordered. And my personal fear is that people who don't actually have eating disorders are going to start thinking that any that their efforts towards just wanting to hit a goal weight or be healthier indicate that they do in fact have an eating disorder that they don't have. And I think that th there is a certain group to which there is a bit of magical thinking involved that because it's not fair that society puts all of this pressure on people to look a certain way and, and you know, and worships thinness that because that's not fair, that they ignore the real world health consequences yeah. that like, you can't wish those away. Like right. I couldn't wish away. Like I had, I had heart issues. I was seeing a heart doctor. I, I went into the hospital with heart problems yeah. at one point. I was diagnosed with type two diabetes. You know, I had, I, you know, for those of you who don't know, this won't mean anything, but for those of you who do, like I had an 8.5 A1C, which is, you know, mega high. It also sounds like a really hot car. Like <laughs> 
you've got an 8.5 like right. ooh, is that an irock like what is that yeah yeah no it uh it was it was definitely not a hot car but um and you know Almost every health problem that I had was solved by losing weight. My A1C is down now to 5.5, which is technically not even diabetes anymore. And my heart doctor a couple of years ago told me to like stop bothering to come see him because there was nothing wrong with You're me wasting anymore. You're wasting my time. You're wasting my time. I don't need your money anymore. Apparently, <laughs> well, you know, like when a doctor doesn't want your money anymore, like yeah, you know, you, you know, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, but in this episode, we uh, we are going to dismantle the meme <laughs> that was posted uh, section by section. We're going to go through a few of those. Um, but before we do, we just, again, want to talk about, for us, the impact of not caring about our bodies for so long and for buying into the, you know, the unrealistic expectations of the get thin quick situation because I definitely took, you know, Fenfen back in the 1990s and was on a yo-yo course of just wanting to lose weight and wanting to lose weight. And it wasn't until I started thinking critically about my role in my life that my relationship with dieting actually changed. And like Donald said, there are real world consequences. Um, I'm up on the scale about 15 pounds higher than I would like to be right now. And guess what? I have chronic hip pain. Now, that has nothing to do with diet culture. That has nothing to do yeah. with Instagram or Instagram or detox or whatever. Like, my hip hurts because I'm carrying more weight. And it's a real-life issue. It's not a vanity problem. It's a pain problem. And I guess it's been eight, nine years ago now. Like, I was so, so disheartened and disillusioned with you know i would lose weight and then gain it back and lose it and gain it back and i felt like i was always miserable i was so upset about that that i had just made a conscious decision that i was just gonna like eat whatever i wanted and and not worry about exercising and whatever happened happened and that is when I got up to the highest weight of my life, and that's when the diabetes diagnosis came down, and my body and my doctor told me, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you're you're going to eat yourself to death uh, if, you keep, if you keep this up, and, and I really had to find a way to become a healthier fit person, or I was just going to either live a much shorter life and or be much more miserable while I was doing it. Yeah, and his uh, snoring definitely made me miserable. But aside <laughs> aside from he might have died from me smothering him with a pillow because yeah. he was bad. No, that's possible. And do I still snore? No, you don't. See, that's yeah. another maybe, that's another problem that went away from Or maybe I'm just sleeping better because <laughs> I'm thinner. But you actually found an article that talked about sort of the the ricochet or the the hate that someone received from trying to work on their health. Yeah, and and I I found a few interesting things, but one in particular uh, written by um, Ashley Marie Preston, and the title of it is "The Body Positivity Community Can Be Toxic Too." We just don't talk about it. And it's from Harper's Bazaar, um, and I will link to it in the show notes. But in the article, just to quickly summarize, um, she embraced the body positivity movement to the point where she got up to 405 pounds. And then um, she had GERD so bad that it ended up 
um, sending her a trip to the emergency room, and she sort of had to, that was kind of her wake-up call to, you know, try and lose some weight to get, you know, so that she didn't keep ending up back in the emergency room. And I just wanted to read a, a short paragraph from the article, and look, just as a warning, she uses the F word in this, which in this case is fat. <laughs> so this is not my word. I typically don't don't tend to say that, but I, I'm going to read it as it is. Um, she says, not all fat bodies are unhealthy and not all thin bodies are healthy. Yet few in the body positivity movement care to acknowledge fat bodies that are unhealthy and require weight loss for survival. Instead, some remain firm in their beliefs that all weight loss is toxic, branding those of us who don't agree as persona non grata. We can't achieve a society free of body shaming while body shaming others for exercising agency, yeah. which is a quote that I love. And at the end of the day, no one should be placing demands on bodies that don't belong to them. So just an example of, of you know, look, I know it's one article, but an example of somebody who was, um, you know, she talks about in the article how how she was publicly shamed, um, you know, by the body positivity movement for trying to lose weight. And I I found some other articles online about um, body positive influencers who had lost weight and that their, their followers got angry and turned on them and unfollowed them, you know, just because they had tried to take some agency over themselves. And, and obviously that is unhealthy as well. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, back when I first started losing weight, I actually, one of my dear friends sort of thin shamed me. I was looking at my journal the other day and I, you know, it was at the beginning of my journal venture, my journal venture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a journal venture. A journal venture. Like it. And it was like, you know, this person you know, thin shamed me today. And I felt really awful. And she she said something like, well, you know, if you're healthy, your size doesn't matter. And I was like, I wasn't healthy. Like there was nothing. I felt terrible and yeah. depressed and overwhelmed. And I wasn't dealing with my life and like boundaries and alcohol use. So it wasn't healthy. And there is no shame in caring about taking care of your body. And that black and white thinking of you're either with us or you're against us has nothing to do with how your body actually works. So if we take away any movements, if we took away Instagram, diet plans, you know, hyperbolic adjectives, you know, comments, calories, food labels, everything, we would still be in our bodies. We would be left with how our body moves and feels, how what we eat makes us feel. Yeah how much we're able to do with the bodies that we have based on the choices that we make. And if we were the last person on earth, like, woohoo, like, uh, it's only me. Like, I'm Daffy Duck, like, swimming in a pile of chocolate coins. <laughs> like, if it was just me, I would still have to deal with the consequences of diabetes. I would have to deal with the consequences of my hip being in pain 24-7. And it has nothing to do with any culture at all, but rather the food that I eat and how much movement I get. And stepping back from whatever movement you think you're a part of, knowing how your body responds to what you do to it and what you feed it matters. 
And, and look, I was enjoying the heck out of some food back <laughs> in the time when I decided we I have was many pictures eat. of us enjoying yeah. the heck out of some food. heck out of food and and beverage and you know, but then I was just exhausted all the time also and didn't sleep well, probably partially because of the aforementioned snoring. And, you know, I felt I, I was achy all the time and, you know, had trouble walking up one flight of stairs, which we live on the second floor of a building with no elevator. And, you know, it's it, it's those kinds of things like, you know, I have to put in some work to maintain my weight all the time, but I'm so much like happier and have more energy and able to just live my life this way than I was than I was before, even though, you know, I was really enjoying myself and being my true self in air quotes by eating all of that food and sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. And just because we have been burned by unhelpful, unrealistic, predatory companies and like yeah. teas and whatever doesn't mean that our health doesn't matter. And it doesn't mean that we're doomed. It doesn't mean that just because those companies are out there, it doesn't mean we can't take that agency. And I think part, I was I was telling Donald before we recorded the podcast, that one of the best classes that I had in college, the, the first class I actually had, was a class called Critical Thinking. Yeah. Where it gave, and please just take the class if you would like to learn more about critical thinking. But basically, it's about being aware of biases hyperbole, you know, like just all these different influences that make it or, or oversimplify certain positions. And usually I, f I found a, a quote that said, usually it's the person with the most aggressive stance or the bully that ends up winning the argument as though it's an argument. Yeah. Like you shouldn't lose weight, you know, yell, yell, yell. Okay, fine. And then you don't because you're a sh you're you feel shame for it. But really stepping back and understanding how memes like this uh serve against taking care of your body really does matter. So we're actually going to go through four of them. And this is sort of the like yes, but this is how we make it work. So we're going to show you or we're going to we're going to share what the meme says and then we are going to dismantle it by giving the alternative to that. How can we make it work? Uh, so that's what we're going to do. Yeah, and you know, spoiler alert, um the point the overarching point of this is that there is a happy medium in the middle. Um but the problem is that being reasonable and the in the middle doesn't get people fired up. It doesn't make them angry or get them excited. Yeah. And you know, Catherine and I were interviewed by a woman years ago when we uh, earlier days of this podcast who actually during the interview told us that you can't sell prevention. Yeah, that's, people don't <laughs> want that. Like that's not what people are interested in. And you know what? We've we've done our best to try and sell prevention for the last uh, 280 episodes. Um, and I think it's gone all right for us. Exactly. Well, and also for those of us who haven't seen success on the scale or who haven't found the right program yet, it feels really good to see memes like this that just say like everything is disordered, so don't bother because then it, it we go like, oh, well, this is just this is a culture and I can't help it. So I don't need to do anything. But it takes a lot more work to invest in creating a lifestyle that is sustainable for you. And it's it's that moment where I said, 
Nothing has worked in the past. I remember I was, I've, I've said it before, sitting in my car, 41 years old, New Year's Day, hoping my pants didn't rip because I had gained so much weight over the holidays. And I thought to myself, I've got to look at this a different way. And, that, and taking that agency has made all the difference. And I know that if we can do it, you can also do it. So we're going to break apart these four different uh, disordered memes uh, and uh, tell you how we made those issues work for us. Yeah, and that's a really great point that I, uh, I actually meant to mention earlier. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, so that yeah, the meme lists about uh, 20 different things that are, you know, that it considers to be a symbol that you have an eating disorder. And we're not going to to read all of them. But the the first one is that obsessing over calorie counting is disordered. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, when you use words like obsessing and and chronic, you're you're implying up front that some, there's something wrong with it. Yeah, I ended up highlighting all of the uh, hyperbolic adjectives used yeah. in the memes. And it's obsessing, earn, skipping, cheat, fear, fixation, chronic, out of control, like rituals, abuse, excuse, refuse. Yes. Like, okay, all of those extremes, we all agree that that is not healthy. But there's so many other options beyond that extreme. Yeah. And look, the reality is, the bottom line is that if you don't burn more calories than you eat, then you stay the same weight or you gain weight. Like, that's just... It's, it doesn't matter that it's not fair. It doesn't matter that you wish that it wasn't that way. Like, that is the way it is. And you certainly don't have to count calories to make that happen, but it makes it so much easier to know where you stand. And I honestly don't know how I would do it without it, you know, because like, just think of it like, are you, if you look at your bank statement to see how much money you have, is that obsessing or is tracking your spending obsessing or like looking at your gas gauge to make sure that you have enough gas? Like, well, you're obsessively looking at your gas gauge right now or, you know, why don't you just like, you know, feel whether you have enough gas in your tank or not? Like, I, I don't even know how you would do that. Yeah. And I know for me, too, and that thing about obsessing over calorie counting a lot of times when we start a new program, whatever it is, whether it's the first day of school and you you go and get like all the new stationery and you're organizing all your pencils and stuff. I know when I would start Weight Watchers or when I started counting calories, I did hyperfixate on it. I was like, I want to make sure I'm doing this perfectly. You feel that energy. Yeah, that's true. And And I did that. And then couldn't keep up that level of intensity. And so I thought it meant I wasn't committed to it. But what I did, because this time I didn't give up, over time, I don't obsess about calorie tracking. I'm not as, you know, it's like when you start driving and you're clutching the wheel, you know, because you're just learning. Right. Once you do it over time, it just becomes kind of a natural part of your day. So again, we agree that hyperfixating on something like that isn't helpful because we don't have to be super rigid. Um, believing that you have to be perfect is just a misconception on all of this. It's not like, well, the package says it's 130 calories, but the app says 140. I'm reeling out of control. I'm right. never going to lose weight. No, I'm I'm not going to lose weight because I'm gorging myself on a whole bag of potato chips and croissants and bagel. Like, 
It's the volume that's the issue. And for me, close enough is good enough. If I estimate, oh, we're going out to dinner, and I estimate like, oh, okay, well, that's probably about 1,200 calories, I just move on from that. I don't have to measure every single, you know, strand of linguine to make sure that I stay in my budget. It's about what you do on average over time that matters the most. And Donald and I have been tracking for, what, seven years now? Yeah, yeah, I think it's been about that. Yeah, and it's not that big of a part of our day. It's no, just a I small mean, like, amount. I think on a, I, I think if I even overestimated it, maybe I spend twenty minutes a day uh, counting calories and tracking, and that even includes like weighing and measuring the food that I, you know, that I eat because I have, I eat a lot of the same things all the time, which I don't know if that's typical or not, but it it really isn't that big of a deal anymore. And I have a, you know, I have an app that 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 works well and uh it just isn't that big of a deal yeah and for me too and i know that there are people in Walt place who don't track but they do intuitive eating we are not saying that intuitive eating is bad if you can make the practice out of that and it is working for you then please go ahead and do it but that takes a level of commitment and mindfulness and attention to what you're eating and so it's not you know it's not about following what we do, but it is about finding what works for you. And we've done, um, we've done some deep dives. Uh, we've done, I, I've highlighted four episodes here. I'll link to some of them in the show notes, but, uh, episode 250, Count Tracula, <laughs> episode 251, Bride of Tracula. We are ridiculous. <laughs> episode 166, Track Star, and episode 265, Caloric Columbo, um, ah. which, which all relate to this topic. Uh, if you'd like to do a deeper dive about, uh, uh, good ways to calorie count. Yep. So the next uh, the next sentence in the meme is skipping meals to save up calories is disordered. Now, in a vacuum, it might seem disordered, um, but you really don't know what's going on with someone. Like one person's skipping meals to save up calories is another person's intermittent fasting. Yeah. And, you know, I know for me that skipping meals – it can be a bad idea in some cases. Like we always say, like, don't go to a big meal, you know, don't starve yourself like the morning of Thanksgiving yeah. and then, and then gorge yourself to the point of passing out at the meal because it, it oftentimes ends up backfiring in, in that regard. But for me, you know, my resolve weakens as the day goes on. So I know that I eat better if I have calories left later in the day. So I try to eat very light early in the day so that I I have calories for later in the day. And it really works for me. And, you know, putting myself on a schedule, sticking to protein and fruit for the majority of the day is the way that I'm able to stick to my calorie goal. And I don't think that that's unreasonable or yeah. disordered or or really even, you know, necessarily counts as skipping meals in air quotes. Yeah. And like Donald said, undereating can often lead to overeating. And it takes time to understand the patterns of behavior that you have and realizing the impact of the choices. Again, oh gosh, I'm not going to eat all day because I've got a big dinner tonight. Suddenly you're starving and you eat way more than you need to. So there is a point where you need to sort of 
take time to understand how your body is affected by that. Because Donald and I don't necessarily eat at the same times. And what works for him might not work for me. And it's okay to do your own thing. The people who say, like, well, you've got to have eight meals, six meals a day and four snacks or only one big meal a day or whatever. Just finding what works for you, taking agency there is okay. Yeah. And look, there's nothing magical about intermittent fasting, but, you know, and I technically don't even do it. But um, for me, it really like it really helps if I don't eat in the morning. Like I, I'm not that hungry in the morning usually. So having those calories for later in the day really works better for me. Um, and, uh, we've done, uh, some episodes related to this, uh, episode 158, weight loss mistakes, part one, episode 18, pop up the pop, volume. Pop up the volume. Yeah. Wait, and then, you want to do that again? Yeah. Episode 18. Pump up the volume. Uh, and then episode 117, doctor, doctor, doctor. Doctor. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I actually doctored a lean cuisine French bread pizza the other day. And there is not a surgeon in the world who could have improved the flavor of it. It was so sad. <laughs> I think it was a little freezer burned. Lean cuisine, burned. obviously not a sponsor. I, I think it was freezer burned. So I think that that was part of the issue. But I put on like some you spices. You put like roasted peppers roasted and, peppers. and uh, pickled uh, Yeah, pickled onion, and, all this stuff. And yeah. it just was terrible. So sometimes... Doctor, doctor doctor works and then on that case it did not work yeah. uh so sorry what else were you gonna say no that was that was it, that was it. okay <laughs> so the next category uh for the meme was cutting out food groups is disordered and for us each of us react differently to different foods and food groups Things that, you know, I know that there are some people who need to be carb forward and their bodies feel better that way. Other people really don't prioritize sweets. So like, eh, I don't eat sugar. It's just not a big deal. I don't like it all that much. Yeah. And it's okay to have preferences. Um, and look, I have found personally that over the long haul, it's very difficult to cut out categories of foods. You know, I did keto slash Atkins a few times and it, you know, I, I was able to do it very well for a certain amount of time, but then I always wanted to go back and eat pasta. But for some people, keto works really well and they like it and they're able to do it lifelong. And, you know, it just, for me, it worked until it didn't. But if it's, if it works for you and you don't miss the carbs and it is enriching your life to cut out that group of foods, then, you know, who am I to say that it's, you know, the is signs of an eating disorder if you do it? Right. So it's about prioritizing. For me, I know, and I've just from from years of exper experimenting with carbs, I realize that I don't do well with carbs in the morning, so I save them usually for the evening. The yeah, same, same thing, here. Same thing with sugar. If I start the day with sugar, I feel tired, and it's better if I have it at night. But I know some people don't have snacking issues. Some people have like the the volume of the meal that they eat is really the problem. So none of us approaches food the same way. And just blanketly saying that if you don't eat sugar, that you're disordered and you need to go see someone is not, you know, that that's projecting your 
position on it onto someone else. If they don't have a problem with it, then I don't think it's a problem. And and I think there can be seasons of your life too. When I first got my diabetes diagnosis, my doctor told me to avoid sugar and I didn't eat sugar for at least the first year after I got the diagnosis. And um, I was, you know, partially because my doctor told me to, and partially because I was afraid of the sugar sort of triggering me into binge episodes. And I, I avoided soda for, for more than a year, but, but now, you know, I'm able to eat sugar and my, my blood sugar remains good. My, you know, my numbers are good, but also it, you know, because I have gotten over the idea of for, you know, that it was forbidden, um, that I feel like it doesn't really have that much of a hold over me. Like I can have like a soda once in a while and it doesn't become, uh, you know, an issue where I'm then suddenly drinking six a day like I used two years ago. Yeah. But I think that that is a really good point that forbidden foods, if you are on a program that is telling you not to eat certain things, I mean, aside from, you know, Donald's diabetes and needing to stay away from things, but if you sign up for some program and they tell you, absolutely no carbs, absolutely no sugar. And that's not actually something you want in your life. Yeah, I agree that that is not sustainable and it is not okay for other people to prescribe meal plans that don't take into account your actual preferences. But feeling like it's, oh, forbidden, that isn't helpful. But that is why we come up with just all these different uh, mindset things and critical thinking around what we do eat. So it's an opportunity to notice how foods make you feel. Are you better served having them occasionally, in the morning, in the evening? What is true for you? Also, we have done many episodes about different ways you can keep certain foods in your life. We have talked about pairing foods, setting standards or policies, reducing the frequency, the volume, um, putting, you know, having it so that some foods you only eat out with friends, some things you only have at home, some things you only have on the weekend, planning them into your life. People used to say, just moderate it. Just moderate. Yeah, just moderate. Just moderate. Just don't have that much. I have no idea what that means. But now I do because I go, oh, okay, moderating means only having it on weekends or only having it in the evening or when we go out for dinner. And it makes or, or it's like portion control. Yeah. You know, like I, I buy those little tiny, like, you know, an ounce or less single serve bags of chips or like a fun size candy bar and have one. Like it's not forbidden, but I'm not you know, I, I'm not opening a giant bag of something that then it's I'm having to like muster willpower to go close and put back in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. I know what would have happened if Pandora's box was actually like single serving. <laughs> <laughs> then it wouldn't Pandora's box wouldn't yeah. be that bad. If it was tiny, it was just like single serve. You yeah. open one and it, yeah, it's yeah, fine. and then it doesn't let out all the bad things. Yeah. Boy, Pandora, get it yeah. together. I don't know. The- I'm taking Pandora to task. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you certainly are. Okay, so the last one we're going to cover. Uh, Well, let me just mention a couple of episodes. Um, Episode 5, Abstaining versus Moderating, Battle of the Century. (laughs) Episode 133, Unstuff Yourself, Part 1. And episode 160, Ask We Anything, Part 1. We we address this topic in uh, in deeper depth. Death, deeper depth. Um, uh, And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you taking Pandora to task. Um, 
So the final one is uh, binging on weekend cheat meals is disordered. Okay. Now, we have talked about it before. There is no cheating in food. You cheat on tests. You cheat on your taxes. You hopefully do not cheat on your spouse. Yeah. The only person who cheats on food is the hamburglar who steals hamburgers from old man McDonald. (laughs) Like, it's not cheating we don't and and i know that that term comes up a lot of like oh well we can cheat meal like oh it's my cheat day we don't cheat on anything we just make different choices and perhaps more indulgent choices i've heard mayor mccheese will take a bribe too (laughs) (laughs) i know if if you uh you know if you have a city ordinance coming up and you (laughs) you need some help from the mayor i think he'll take a bribe but words really do matter that hyperbolic and i know i just keep saying it because it makes me sound like a fancy person yeah no it's very well all of those like you know extreme and cheat and obsess and skip and fixate like it just adds more drama to something that doesn't have to be that dramatic well and and the statement implies you know in, in its the way that it is is phrased binging on weekend cheat meals is disordered it implies that one it, it you know there's one of two extremes going on here that you either don't regulate what you eat at all like you just eat all the food or that you never eat an enjoyable meal like it is is what is implied here you know that those are the only two ways to sort of not be disordered and you know that obviously makes no sense but the middle ground of this is planning and preparing You can stick to a goal, but not forbid yourself from having indulgent meals ever. You know, having them on your own terms, though, like that's important to me. That is what's worked for me. And planning them in advance has worked for me. And having policies about not just, you know, at the spur of the moment, having an indulgent meal has, has made sense to me and has really worked for me. Well, and it's kind of like with spending, you know, and I, I did this for many years. I think this might be a, a, another one of the, the comments on the meme is I used to just go with the flow. Everybody's going out to lunch. Everybody's, you know, having a big lunch and a big dinner and whatever. And I got up. I I gained 100 pounds from the day I started that critical thinking class. I gained 100 pounds because I just let food lead my life. And I put no boundaries around what I was doing. And it destroyed me. It took me, what, like another 15 years to finally sort of get my, my eating under control. And having that all or nothing, I'm either on some diet or I love myself exactly the way I am. I do love myself. And when I was at my highest weight, losing weight was coming from a place of love. Like, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to feel miserable and exhausted all the time. And so, like, we are not putting moral value on food. We are not saying, well, this is good and this is bad. And I know, you know society, fine. Like, love, love humankind, <laughs> hate people. But, like... Sure. Humankind as a concept is fine. It's just the people. It's just the people that ruin it. But that idea that, like, yes, we've been influenced in terrible ways. Yes, I was made fun of when I was a kid, but my actual health matters to me. And the way I use food for fun, for engagement, whatever, that's all fine. But 
putting parameters around how you do it. It's not like, well, you know, I've got all this money and I just want to spend it all every day. And oops, now I'm $50,000 in debt. Like, why didn't anyone tell me that credit cards were bad? Yeah. Like, we can blame the system or we can take responsibility for our actions. And for me, I know that if I eat indulgent meal after indulgent meal, I'm going to gain 100 pounds. And it's not you know, the system that's making me do that. It's I really like the taste of food. Well, and I know I said that words matter and saying cheat implies a moral judgment on you. Changing that to indulgent takes away that shame. We shouldn't feel shame for the food that we eat. And being able to change the language really changed it for me. Working foods that you love into your plan matters, just like spending your money on vacations that matter to you uh, matter. It's not disordered. And finally, I strongly believe that the Hamburglar will get his someday. (laughs) Someday we will be rid of him, uh, but he is the only cheat meal that I am currently aware of. I, for one, have been waiting my entire life for the Hamburglar to get his comeuppance. And let's let's take care of Mayor McCheese while, (laughs) while we're at it. But if you would like to do some deeper dives on this topic, we have done episode 268, Super Bowl Setback, episode 270, uh, I'm a Carby Girl. Uh, Say that again. I want to hear you say that again. (laughs) I'm a Carby Girl. Uh, Episode 233, Habit Holiday, and episode 33, uh, 365 Surprises. That was a good episode. Yeah, I like that. That was a good one. So as we round out this episode. Uh, I think next week we're going to focus on something else and we'll save more disordered topics for later. But as you are going through your day and your life, just remember that, um, I know that's not like Donald and I are, no, um, (laughs) that caring about how you feel in your body and how it serves you is not disordered. Deciding what tools you need to help you care for your body is also not disordered. And questioning everything you're told and deciding what is right for you is not disordered. It is empowering. And it takes a little bit of work to unscramble all the old, you know, paradigms you have about all the things and the culture and whatever. But in the end, I am a person living in a body that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And I really care how much I can move, how you know flexible I am, how strong I am, and how food makes me feel. And I know that that is important to you too. So please be critical of everything you hear, even of this episode, but find what is right for you. What, what might work for Donald and what might work for me aren't the same, and that is okay. To customize your plan to your needs matters. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, dear, for uh, summing that up so nicely. Uh, Very well done. If you would like more of this brand of uh, shenanigans, we have uh, a lot more episodes. This is uh, episode 280, if you can believe it. Really? uh, Yeah. Wow. All of our episodes are available wherever you found this one. We're available on all of the major podcast platforms and uh, also uh, on our website at any time 
at weonlylookthin.com. Yep, and if you are at weonlylookthin.com, you can click on that link for Join Our Support Group. To find out more about Wolt Place, We Only Look Thin Place is a Facebook-based accountability group for women. We are not a weight loss plan, but we are a place for support and accountability no matter what plan you are following. We have people doing Weight Watchers and carb tracking and uh, calories and and all the things, uh, intuitive eating. Um, but we all support one another because a lot of our issues have nothing to do with actually the food we put in our mouth, but the uh, thoughts mm-hmm. and the boundaries we have around our eating habits. We have two subscription options, a monthly option with a three-day complimentary trial and a three-month subscription with a seven-day complimentary trial to see if Walt Place is right for you. So please check that out. Um, and you can also interact with us on social media. Uh, you can find us at We Only Look Thin on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I just... I just opened Twitter while you were talking a minute ago, and the Hamburglar has tweeted that he's going to get us before we get him. <laughs> Whoa. So I feel, like, a, I feel like we going need into to, hiding. We're, we've started a feud with the Hamburglar. Oh, we boy. need witness, witness, witness protection. Did so he at us? If this is the last episode of this show, <laughs> you'll know what happened. The Hamburglar is responsible. Um, if you would like to email us, you can also send us an email to we only look thin at at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate episode suggestions. We appreciate compliments. Maybe you can give us some suggestions on how to hide from the hamburger. Um, we only look thin at gmail.com. I'm just thinking about safe houses now. I yeah. don't even remember what we usually talk Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I know what we talk about. And if you have a couple of extra minutes and can head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and or a review, it would really help us. Not only does it let us know that what we're doing matters in your life, but it also helps others find our podcast when they're looking for inspirational podcasts like ours. It sure does. And another way uh, you can help us out if you would be so kind is to tell somebody about the show. Word of mouth is one of the best ways in which the show grows. So if you're talking to somebody, if you're uh, online, in a Discord group, in a, uh, a Reddit group, a Facebook group, uh, and any sort of group uh, where this might be uh, helpful to someone, we would really appreciate a shout out. It is one of the best ways in which the show grows. Yep. So if you're about to hop in the car over to Costco to find single serving bags of Pandora's box, <laughs> just remember that Donald and I are an, an inspiration Asian. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.